We give you thanks. How creative you are! The most amazing mu musical instrument you created in us, inside us. We thank you that your name can be praised with it. We pray now for our children, Lord, that day after day they would recognize they are your creation and the potential that we they have can be fully realized in you. We pray that they will be taught well, they will be nurtured and well-shepherded here in this church. We thank you also for your word, which is light, which is truth to us, and I pray that that too will shine a light in our hearts today and help us to be grateful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Children, you may go downstairs. Okay, we celebrate our 135th anniversary, and I want to read this verse from Psalm 79, verse 13. Psalm 79, verse 13, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. And so we recount this Sunday. According to this plug, which uh, a quiz here, where is this plug in, in PPH? Uh, somewhere in level two. It says that we are here now in PPH, Pasir Panjang Hill, number three, for 35 years. In fact, on the 15th of July, in six days, we would have been here 35 years. But we know that our roots began much earlier our roots began 135 years ago to the month, to July. In fact, we started life in the July of 1882, 100 years before we moved here. And that's why we often use like 3130 or 35135, right? We are 35 years here, but we are 135 years when we first started. I dug up three significant uh, historical documents for PPH. This one is uh, if you remember the dedication book that when we had a dedication service here on the 12th of March, 1983, a few months after we moved in. And um, I'm trying to scan this and put it up on our website, but because it's in a very funny um, uh, dimensions, uh, if you know how to do it, uh, please, please help me. Uh, I have not done it, done it yet. And in there, you will see the dedication and some very old photographs. And then, at the turn of the millennium, on the 31st of December, 1999, we had another dedication service or a thanksgiving service in PPH. And this little booklet was, uh, was uh, published. And this one is A4 size. I've managed to, to scan it and it's on the website. Uh, now you can take a look at it. And there, if you note, at the bottom, it's very small. It says, three generations of God's unfailing goodness. Three generations. And then this one, you may well remember, 3130, which was only like five years ago. We had a Thanksgiving service here on the 22nd of July, uh, 2012. And if you remember, we had a, a 40 days blessing campaign. Remember, we went to Batam and we say, I want to bless your soul. Right? We gave out a lot of children's uh, shoes, 
to the poor children in Batam, and we had 40 days of blessing this and blessing that. Now, this book is also online. You can take a look at it. And we need to recount His praise. Why? Because we are the sheep of His pasture, and we have a good shepherd. We are His people. We want to, we have to give thanks and praise. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. And I mentioned earlier in the Millennium Booklet, it talks about three generations in PPH. So, the first generations were the Angmors. Okay, I use the word Angmor in an endearing way, okay? It's not meant to be uh, negative in, in any way. They were the ones who brought the gospel um, to Singapore. If you know this name, Philip Robinson, he brought two brand names to Singapore. One of them, Robinson's, the shopping center, still stands, except that it is now owned by uh, a company in the United uh, UAE. Philip Robinson, as uh, a merchant, brought um, Robinson's company to Singapore, which still stands. And the second thing that he brought to Singapore is the Brethren Movement in the year 1864. Who are the brethren? Okay, brethren is just an old English term, meaning brothers and sisters. It began in Great Britain, while it was still great in those years, in the early 19th century, when believers sought to return to New Testament principles of uh, church life with emphasis on the doctrine, on the priesthood of all believers. And in the authority of the Bible, in personal faith, in Jesus, and in the fellowship at the Lord's table. So we are one of, I think, very, very few uh, church traditions who has fellowship around the table every, every week. In the, year 19, uh, in the year 18, July 1882, a mission house was built. Um, it faced two roads, New Road as well as New Bridge Road. So initially, it was called New Road, uh, gospel Hall. It was to be a rest house for missionaries serving the region in Asia at the time, 1882. When missionaries were driven out of China between 1936 and 1948, when they had the revolution, many took refuge here in Singapore, and they took refuge here in the mission home in New Road or New Bridge Road. In 1947, after Second World War, the Peranakan Assembly, which still meets uh, downstairs, here was started, and the early pioneers were all uh, uh, Westerners. Uh, their names are like Gladys Greek, uh, a missionary from the UK, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Matt uh, Finlay, uh, Campbell and Elaine McSkimming from New Zealand. We praise God for their vision. We praise God for their sacrifice, uh, sacrificial service, leaving their home uh, many, many miles away as our early Angmo missionaries. And they started the church here. So that's the first generation. The second generation, according to the Millennium Booklet, um, began in the 1960s. Uh, a, a very prominent name there is Richard Chia, whom all of us know. But there are others, and the others I don't know, okay, because I wasn't around uh, at that time. So if you're with his generation, I don't mention the name, uh, please forgive me, okay? I'm just going by the Millennium Booklet that was published. Um, and this was the era of a, a flourishing children's uh, work. Our Sunday school had children from Tiong Bahru, from Red Hill, from Nelson. 
And this work was overseen by what is called responsible brethren, okay, a group of leaders that were like uh, commissioned by the mother church, uh, Bethesda, Braspasa Road. So they were the responsible brethren. Whoever was not there are the irresponsible brethren. Okay. Um, and so they overs- oversee this work. Um, in 1966, New Road Gospel Hall was then renamed to New Bridge Road uh, Chapel, and it became an autonomous work, I means with its own leadership. And the 1970s saw the springing up of house churches, and this was in, ante- in anticipation of the end of our lease at Newbridge Road, which was to be uh, November 1979. And uh, supposed to have, government supposed to have taken that uh, back. So we had house churches, five house churches were started in Holland Road, in Dover, in Angora, Gideon, and Living Home. And they used, uh, some of them used the homes of uh, uh, early leaders like Philip Tan, who's over there, and uh, Henry Ho is also over here. They used their homes to meet as a church. Now, how we purchased this property here at number three, Pasir Panjang Hill, uh, you need to read more about. You go online, look at uh, that three documents. We paid $170,000 um, at that time, 35 years ago, for the 23,000 square feet of uh, freehold land uh, here in PPH. And um, several years ago, I met uh, a young man at uh, one of my friend's uh, son's wedding. Uh, at Alcoff Mansion, I still remember the, the wedding dinner was there. Then I told him that, oh, my church is at uh, Pasir Panjang. And this young man said, hey, I lived there once. And I found out that he was a son of Alfred Yeo, who was a pastor in the Methodist church. And this used to be the parsonage. Hey, 23,000 square feet for a parsonage, not bad. Uh, and then another uh, time I met a, a pastor from Grace Methodist uh, back over that side in Tolo Blanga. We were both... Uh, uh, at an homiletics course, learning how to preach. And when I mentioned that I was from Pasir Panjang Hill, he said, ah, so you're the one who bought our land. You know, he spoke with so much regret, so much regret that they sold the land to us. So at that time, 35 years ago, we built this place for just a bit lower than 1 million, I think. We had at that time 400 members, 70% were students. Average age of the congregation was 22 years old. 15 July, 1982, we built this church. How can it be? Right? 400 people only, 70% were students, average age 22 uh, uh, years old. But it was done by the grace and faithfulness of God. And then the house churches started to move back in here because uh, you cannot meet in homes uh, anymore by, by the law of the land. So Clementi uh, Chapel merged with Newbridge Road Chapel. We became PPH here. Holland Road became Exodus, which met here for a while, which later became Living Sanctuary Brethren Church, and it moved out to Aukang. Angora, from Angora Close, uh, uh, private residential property, also moved back here. And from Angora, Birth Peace Chapel. So this is our history. Now the third generation, according to that booklet once again, the third generation begins from 1982 when we moved back here. Um, in 1982, this whole building had 500 members with uh, 500 at- at- attendees from the five churches uh, that were meeting here. So now PPH, in this morning service, we have 500 uh, at- attendees. In those days, 35 years ago, the kindergarten had 226 cho- children. 
age 226 children. Uh, we now have 70 plus. Okay. The junior Sunday school, the cool club, had 190 children. Now we have like, I don't know, 40, 50 maybe. Uh, there were 30 in the boys' brigade at that time. In the year 2000, we started uh, a care channels or singing started care channels. Uh, uh, the church supported. Um, and then 2002, we started PPH Community Services Center. Uh, so that makes it 15 years, and next week we are going over there to celebrate. We started a Chinese assembly in 2004, and that was another uh, provision from God. It's quite incredible. Uh, I just went to Bethesda Frankel Estate, and I said, I want one of your pastors, since you've got like three or four Chinese pastors. They actually paid for our lunch, although it was a box lunch, okay? And said, okay, take. You know, so we got uh, Pastor Chen Kuang, who started our Chinese uh, assembly. 2006, we uh, remember after one church camp, uh, or mission, uh, a church camp, we partnered with uh, IBC in Batam, and uh, IBC, after we have uh, built the dormitories, we now have full house, okay? We have full house for the number of students that we can cater. So we are now thinking of buying the, 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 the shop houses next to our four shop houses in order to accommodate more students. And now our students are more widespread uh, from different areas in, in Indonesia instead of mostly from Sumatra. So that's where we are. And in 2011, we started our Telugu uh, service. Okay, I want to make mention of some names uh, at the risk of missing some. And I say I'm using this uh, blue booklet, the Millennium Booklet list. Uh, people who were in the building committee, Philip Tan, Li Chi Ying, Richard Chia, Chan Yao Singh here, David Loa also here, Andrew Ng is here, Kwok Choi Yong, Linda Ng, all here. Leaders during this period of the 1970s, I'm quoting, other than those already mentioned uh, uh, just now, Zhuang Kao is here, Henry Ho is here, Jun Hong is here, I think he's, now, uh, he's here, and uh, Jui Miang. So this is the third generation. Now the fourth generation is silent in this book, but who is the fourth generation? Maybe we are, or maybe we wait a while until the next 15 years, and then... Uh, the people who were discussing the next 15 years they take over. Do we wait until 2032 for the fourth generation? Okay, it's a decision that we will have to make. So now join me in a photo-nostalgic journey as we recount, as we reminisce, and as we give thanks and praise. The earliest document I found of uh, our church is in the Straits Times of 11 December 1937. Who, of, who was alive in 1937 here? That, that really is the earliest document, and it is an advertisement in the Straits Times that uh, talks about a Sunday English service, a Monday Malay service, a Friday Hokkien service, and they're all in the evenings. So they don't meet on Sunday mornings. I don't know why. But all in the evenings, and I guess it's because brethren, ma, brethren are lay people, right? So we do a full day's work, then in the evening we come and we have Hokkien service and Malay service and English service. The second oldest thing, I guess, would be this plug, uh, traced back to 1947 or so, and this man there, Richard Chia. Okay, this plug has got quite a history, okay? We lost it. We lost it once, and uh, somebody threw it away. And then somebody, Yao Seng, Yao Seng picked it up and brought it home. And then we found out that he's got it in his home, and we begged him to return it to us. No, I didn't have to beg. I just, <laughs> so he gave it back to us. And then we refurbish it. And of course, you can see it 
in, in level two. So I once was lost, but now I'm found. Uh, this one, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, okay, this picture, I believe there is a flaw. Okay, uh, and I hope I'm right. Uh, I'm just making a guess, okay? So mothers, don't kill me. I think uh, they crisscross the children, okay? If I remember <laughs> the children. So now this picture is right, okay? Um, this lady was 21 years old in 1982. So I've just revealed her age. And, uh, you know, you always watch out for that quiet boy at the corner ah, because he eventually won the prize. Okay, and he married this girl. Okay, uh, this is Lawrence Leong and uh, Kat Leong. Okay, you would never, never have thought that this boy would one day be elderly. Uh, or an elder. Okay, this is our elder, Edwin Chua. And you would never thought that this boy, who was baptized by Chiang, would one day baptize Chiang's son. Right, so my outstanding question is who would Chiang's son, Joshua Lee, baptize? Okay. And these are people who work very hard, servants of the Most High. I uh, can't remember what the year was. We had, I remember it was Coffee Concetto, we call it. Coffee Concetto, evangelistic service where we all serve. Uh, in those days, what we thought was high-class coffee. Uh, at that time, there was no Starbucks, okay? So now we know better. And you know, in this group of servants, there are two full-time workers and there are two elders now. Right? So you can tell, right? When people serve, uh, one, one day they will be servant leaders. So two elders and full-time staff. That's Edwin, Paul, Lawrence, and Roslyn. Okay, one of the guys, not him alone, of course, but Richard, of course, worked very hard to build the church building and to build the church body. He worked so hard that he had to be resuscitated. Okay, and here is Philip Tan trying to resuscitate him. He was so tired. Or maybe he was so tired, Philip Tan was trying to put him to sleep. So, there we are. At year 100 in Newbridge Road Chapel, the last service there, where this picture was taken. And then this was last year at our church camp. Of course, not everybody uh, who attends service attended the church camp. And uh, that's where we were. Last year was in Batam, I think. So next Sunday. Next Sunday is our anniversary carnival. Our theme is to serve from the top of our head, top of your head, to the tip of your toe. It's not an act of cuteness, okay? It is an act of love. Why? Because he first loved us. John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. How did Jesus show the full extent of his love? Continuing in verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, took off his cloak, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Continuing in verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know you are my disciples if you have a big and beautiful church or if you can run fantastic carnivals. You are my disciples if you have love for one another. And if you, like Jesus, show the full extent of your love, love enough to take up the cross and follow Him, but first, love enough to take off your cloak, your outer garments, and then to take up the towel and wash feet. So the first point is he showed them the full extent of his love. How? By taking off his cloak. In the year 2003, it was reported that the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, and they called him the first Anglican primate in 400 years to wash the feet of his congregation. Okay, I learned a new word, primate. I always thought it was a monkey. <laughs> but apparently, that's a, a, a different uh, understanding of the word primate. So, he was the first Anglican primate, the archbishop, to wash the feet of his congregation in 400 years. I found it quite incredible. And the problem is that he did it in his full regalia, in his robes and all that. Okay, I'm not criticizing it. It's just a point of fact, okay? He did it. It's very, very good. And he broke the tradition and he started it, so that's good. But someone once said that you cannot wash people's feet in a judge's robe. So I went to Google. Who said that? I couldn't find it. I think it was me. <laughs> yeah, in some sermon long ago. You cannot wash people's feet in a judge's robe. You know, when the world looks at Christians and the world looks at the church, what do they see? You know, sadly, I think they see judges. They see the very judgmental types. Because we judge people by the way they dress, by where they live, by what car they drive, what accents they speak with. We are very vocal uh, as a church on such things as LGBT or same-sex relationship, but we are very silent on other things like stealing or pride or even adultery. But we raise uh, 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 all kinds of uh, uh, protests about LGBT. You know, I was talking to an Alpha trainer last Sunday. He came and trained some of our facilitators in the Alpha course. And at the tea break time, I told him, you know, I invited quite a few friends and they all turned me down. And this Alpha trainer turned to me and said, do you drink enough coffee with them? Wow, I felt like I got slapped in the face. I felt so judged, you know. But going home and I thought about it deeper, I think it was the rebuke of a, of a brother. You know why? Because... I wear a judge's robe. It was like, I don't drink enough coffee with my friends, my schoolmates uh, from long ago. And I really don't like to spend time with them. 
You know, because the talk is always so wuliao, so meaningless, it's always talk about politics, it's talk about where they have spent their holidays in exotic places and where are the best restaurants to go to and all that. And I don't like that. In fact, I judge them. I say, I'm above all this already. I have a higher calling. I had my judges robe on. So how do I invite them to the Alpha course? They wouldn't come. I met a, a PRC, a, a Chinese national missionary, missionary in Pakistan last year and we were at the, uh, a small coffee shop at the, at the uh, airport. And as he began to talk and what little of the Mandarin I can understand, he was always saying something bad about the Pakistanis. And I was really scratching my head. I said, you are a missionary to the Pakistanis and you're talking bad about them all the time? Then how are you loving them? He said, oh, it's a messed up country. La. The system failed. La. The culture is no good. Nah, nah, nah. And I also noticed that um, Singaporeans sometimes, many times, will look down upon the Indonesians, right? Because uh, maybe not so economically advanced and maybe not so hardworking. And then to my surprise, as I started working with the Indonesians in Batam and then East Timor, the Indonesians also looked down on the East Timorese, that they are like a lower culture, not so hardworking and, and economically not so advanced. So we have all these attitudes uh, of judgmentalism. So, brothers and sisters, we've got to examine our own attitudes. When we say we want to wash feet to show the full extent of our love, and yet, we have not taken off our judge's robe. So how do you wash feet? So first, take off your judge's robe. Take off the cloak. And secondly, bend down. You know, there are some things you can do only if you bend down. What are these? Park goli. Play marble. So this is singing, okay? In case you don't recognize this young man with uh, a lot of black hair, this is singing. You know, it's like, they teach you how to take photographs of children. How do you take photographs of children? You must be eye level. You need to squat down. And take the, the best photos of children are at eye level. You don't take like, like that uh, uh, down on them. We need to bend down. We need to identify with the people that we serve. You know, did Jesus have a problem washing feet? Did he? Especially the feet of Judas and Peter. One will betray him. The other will deny him. I think Jesus did. I think Jesus really struggled to bend down. Why do I say that? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For well, we do not have a, a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And I am sure Jesus was tempted to kick Judas and Peter instead of bending down to wash their feet. But Jesus overcame this temptation that you and I have. He bent down, and he washed their feet. God bent down. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 3, God is speaking, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by their arms, and they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down and fed them. God bent down and fed the children of Israel. Jesus bent down and washed his disciples' feet. Jesus took on the role of a servant, humbled himself, bent down, and washed feet. Philippians chapter 2, the famous passage that talks about, let each of you 
not look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. This is the example we have. Have you heard of this uh, TV series? Anyone of you, please don't be shy, put out your hands. So few, uh, oh yeah. then it won't work, man. These days, I've been watching a lot of this, Downton Abbey. In fact, there's an exhibition going on uh, from the 17th of July in uh, MBS, Marina Bay. You know, it is such a famous TV series. And it is a, about the life of English aristocrats, Lord so-and-so, Lady so-and-so, in the early 1900s. I tell you, this is the peak of snobbery, okay? The, the English class system. Of course, this is fiction, but it, it's so great, you know? And, and you, the snobbery would really have been quite funny if it wasn't true. Unfortunately, it is true. If it wasn't so disgusting. And this is like Lady Mary, you know, she says, I don't mean to sound snobbish, but I won't marry down. And I think this was the episode when, the, um, when uh, people were suggesting that she ought to marry a lawyer. Lawyer is a low profession in English society of those days because a gentleman does not work. A gentleman does not work. A gentleman is from the landed class, an aristocrat. Other people work. I entertain. I invite people to lunch and dinner and all these people work for me and I just collect the money. And then, if you watch this, even the servants are snobbish. Even the servants, you know, they have their own class system within the, the servants. But servant leadership is, is very popular nowadays, isn't it? Every MBA and, and whatever management uh, 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 stuff is talking about servant leadership. And recently, I was reading this book it says, servant leader? No, cannot. It's the serving leader. Because you can be a servant, but you are not serving. So, the serving leader. I, I always thought that um, serving is an act, but being a servant is an attitude. And that servant is like better because you have this internal attitude, but this guy says no. And you know how, how, how some people serve, right? They serve by being self-serving. <laughs> and um, the act of serving is to serve themselves. Why? I'll give you an example. Many, many years ago, I had people approach me when we had uh, our CSE uh, Community Services Centre started. And these are young, very young people. They say, oh, I like to teach the kids or do some activity in our CSE. And then I say, of course, we welcome you. So they come, they serve once, then they serve twice, and then they apply for scholarships, right? And they asked me to write a testimony about them. I said, wow, yeah, these guys come and serve with us. And after I write them the testimonial, they don't come anymore. So what is this service? This is self-serving. Because it's kind of like the world revolves uh, around them. It's, it's a bad picture, I know. But I just like this, that uh, this was our chairman of the Daikon. Okay? And they were playing a game in, uh, in the days when he had more hair. So it's like, kind of like the world revolves around you. And when, even when you say you want to serve people, actually you're thinking first about yourself. Lastly, I want to talk about, well, 
take off your cloak, bend down. And lastly, I want to talk about looking up. And I have a great picture from history about looking up. Yeah, this was the commendation service for singing and his family when we sent him off to, to, to the Philippines as missionaries. And everybody is looking down, but there's one person who's looking up. <laughs> Joseph. Actually, I'm thinking, after I, I really just had this thought this week, Joseph was thinking, why are all these uncles and aunties looking down on me and all their eyes are closed? Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, when we lay hands on someone, maybe we should be at eye level. I think in future, if we ever do such a commendation service, right, if people are kneeling, then the leaders ought to kneel together and be at eye level as we lay hands and we pray. It's, it's really, really very difficult for us, and I'm sure you know, honest with yourself, it's very hard for us to take off our judgmental cloaks, very hard for us to bend down if we do not look up. We need to look up at the one who's been there and done that. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking up, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You need to look up. I show you this picture about looking up. Okay, excuse the very short shocks, shots. We had, in those days, we had uh, church picnics, or no, church games day, I think. And uh, this was uh, one young guy with a spoon and a ping pong ball. And then, where should the eyes be? The eyes cannot be on a ping pong ball, right? If your eyes are on a ping pong ball, it will drop and you will not run fast or run far. Your eyes are on the target, the finish line. Or your eyes are on the person that you're going to pass the spoon full of your saliva to. Right? And then you run back the other way. So let me get rid of this prehistoric picture in case you get nightmares tonight. Two Sundays ago, I talked to you um, uh, here in this first service about what I see in our demographics. Uh, we are, as a congregation, older than national average. And then I said that this is not plight, this is potential because we are planted in God and we are already pre-pruned by God. We have gone through the school of hard knocks. Last night, I was very, very, very encouraged because I've been making some announcements the next 15 years, right? We want to get people from 20 years old to 45 years uh, euros to, to meet. And they met last night. I saw on the notice board with uh, people who signed up, I saw 28 names and I thought it was great. 28 young people are willing to meet on a Saturday night to talk about the future of the church. Then I just learned that not 28 people came. 60 people came. And they are committed to the church enough to want to meet together and to talk about the future of this church. So that's really encouraging uh, to me. This is our 4G network, right? Our fourth generation uh, last time. Uh, those people who met. So I think PPH is in good stead if we look up. If we look up to the author and finisher of our faith, if we take off our cloaks, if we bend down, and if we wash feet, then we will show the full extent of our love. The full extent of His love. We wash feet. Thinking about washing feet, you look at feet like this, and it's like, wow, you know, it's so nice. 
very sanitized and all that. But it's probably more like this. Next week we will find out. <laughs> Next week we will find out. No, at a personal level, what does it mean? The same principle holds at a personal level that we take off the cloak of judgmentalism, we bend down, we look up to God. It all holds true. In our interactions with our family members, do we take off this cloak of being a judge? Our friends, do we bend down? Our colleagues, our enemies, how do we show the full extent of our love? When we have received the full extent of his love. This is the layout for next Sunday. Okay, maybe I start from the top left. Uh, the, the, the market is uh, right at the top, right? So CSC is uh, bottom right. That's where we are. And then uh, all the fun ones, uh, boat paddling. Then we'll have food. We'll have games. Toenail cutting is the right-hand corner. We have a jumping castle for the kids. Then uh, head and foot massage is on the right-hand side. We have a haircut uh, there. And, and this is what it's going to be like. We also have a platform. I've invited uh, my friends who has a band. Um, they're all 60 and 70-year-olds. They will play oldies. Uh, and they're all ex-CEOs, okay? Very high-up people. Uh, they, but they want to help. <coughs> and I've only... Because they are not so young, so they say they can play for like 45 minutes, then they need to rest. <laughs> then when they are resting, we have young people. Okay, we have Avoni, and then she brought another person, right, uh, who's going to be uh, playing and, and singing. And then uh, and after the old people rest, then they come out, and then we'll fall out, and then they'll play. Uh, something like that. What do we hope to accomplish next Sunday? A different kind of service. Service, nevertheless. We want to worship without singing. We want to have a sermon, and yet without preaching. And we are offering to God without collecting money. Where did I learn this from? I learned this from YWAM, Youth with a Mission. In January of this year, I was at the pastor's conference and then I heard them talking about this and I said, we can do that. We can do that. It's a great idea. What they did was they did a carnival at Arjunit MRT in the year 2015. Uh, what was Singapore's Jubilee year, remember? 2015. And they served 1,800 people from the construction sites around that area and from Geylang, where, where YWAM is based. And let me quote, Our biggest highlight was a pimp who came with his brothel. Yeah, he just brought all the ladies into the carnival. And this pimp received Christ subsequently. And so we say, I say we learn from YWAM. And someone once said, it will be a sad day if PPH cannot learn from others. So I had to Google who said that. No, I know who said that. It was our elder Shing. Sometimes in the elders' discussion, we say, oh, no, 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 why we copy from other people? No, it would be a sad day if you cannot learn from another. So we learn from YWAM. How do you show the full extent of your love? We wash feet, we massage feet, we cut toenails. It's not just the act, it's the attitude. You show the full extent of your love and Jesus talks about washing feet. Now, not all of us will be washing feet or cutting toenails or massaging feet. You may be just serving a stick of three fish balls. And I want you to let the Teban Garden resident have the joy of being served the most loving fish ball ever in their life. You may be serving just an ice cream, but this will be the most loving ice cream that he has ever licked in his life. 
It's the attitude. At our last staff devotion on Thursday, uh, Mihuan was just sharing with, with us that there was this boy who came to PPH uh, off and on and then was barred from coming to PPH because the caregiver was saying that you're Christian now, you're sayang too much. You need to, like, sayang means love. Eh? Uh, like, you, you kind of, like, you need to beat him lah, because he's, he's naughty and you need to force him to do his homework or, or something like that. And got this boy to meditate in front of an idol. Three months. Didn't work. So now the caregiver gave up. I'm sending him back to church. I said, yeah, that's the power of love. Let's see if love will do better than meditation in front of an idol. It's got to. And residents, uh, again, it was Mion who was sharing with us, the residents are always asking us, when will the next excursion be? You know, are we going to Desaru or going to Malacca and bring them to a durian farm or something? Because they say your trips are all different, so different. Your people are so loving. They enjoy going. So let's show the full extent of our love. You're just handing out a pamphlet. Would you like to join us in August for that friend's lunch? Do it with an attitude. <laughs> Not that bad attitude. Do it with an attitude of you want to show the full extent of your love by just giving out a pamphlet. When I shared what we wanted to do uh, with Joseph Chen of uh, YWAM, that we had learned from, I, I wanted him to be encouraged and say, oh, we learned from you, so we are adapting it and we're doing these things um, next Sunday. He had this response. Let me quote to you. He said, bravo. The lesson that we in YWAM learned is not how many people we serve. By the way, we have 973 registered, probably more next week. The lesson we learned in YWAM is not how many people we served, but rather the attention we give to each individual and how we listen to them intensely. This communicated to them how we valued them and gave them a sense of belonging. This is the greatest need in humanity because nobody listens to you. The lesson, he continues, the lesson changed us. The lesson changed the people, the Christians of YWAM. And may God meet you all on the streets next week. May PPH worship Jesus on the streets and may your church family recognize Jesus in public because Jesus looks very different when he's on the streets. Praise God. So let's pull together on our 135th uh, anniversary next week and let's show the full extent of his love working through us and in the days that follow. I have one last picture which uh, is very good talking about pulling, you know. I think the, the Christian way is like never push, right? I can't push you into the faith, but I can pull. I can pull by showing you the full extent of, of, of our love and you will be pulled into the kingdom of God. Okay. Let's pray now. Let's reflect on our own attitude. Are we servant leaders? Do we walk around with a, a cloak of judgment? Are we the ones who will never bend down? Too difficult, not for me, for young people. I've done mine already. Do we look up to the author and finisher 
of our faith. Father God, I want to thank you that you have been faithful to us all these 135 years. We have gone through thick and thin with you and we have so much to look forward to. I thank you for the 60 who appeared last night, concerned, involved in the church, thinking about what our future ought to be. I thank you for that 60% who are above 50 years old here in this church, that you have brought us through the school of hard knocks. We are pruned and we have a great future ahead of us to press on in the faith, to mentor, to set example for the younger ones. I pray for next Sunday, God, that we will show the full extent of our love by being listening, caring people, taking off our cloaks, bending down, serving. That it will be a Sunday unlike any other that the Teban Garden residents would have experienced. I pray especially for those in the prayer corner as we lead people there for a time of prayer and blessing. Lord, that next Sunday, people will turn to you. They will confess their sins. They will receive you as Lord and Saviour. They would know, they would feel the full extent of your love. God, would you continue to do this transforming work in our lives? Conform us to the image of your Son, who though he was God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant, had the attitude of a servant, have the acts of servanthood. May we, in our interaction with our friends and colleagues and family members, do the same. The serving ones, showing the full extent of your love through us. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.